This is Bloomberg, the first word for this Friday, June 3rd, 2016. Coming up this hour. World stock markets are higher this morning and U.S. equity futures leg down. OPEC welcomes a new secretary general as Brent crude breaks $50 a barrel. It's jobs day in America. Economists predict a four-handle on the unemployment rate. The exchange of verbal barbs are getting more pointed between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Plus, we know what killed pop star Prince. I'm Michael Barr. More straight ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. Golden State took game one of the NBA Finals over Cleveland. Yankees held on, won at Detroit. The Mets put David Wright on the disabled list. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg The First Word, on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1200 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on Bloomberg.com and via the Radio Plus mobile app. Good morning, I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Bob Moon. Bloomberg The First Word is brought to you by Vanek Vectors ETFs. Expect more from your munis. Targets tax-exempt income by maturity and credit quality, all with low-cost ETFs. Visit vanek.com slash munis. Vanek, access the opportunities. And it's 5.01 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. And futures this morning are little changed. Dow E-mini futures are up six, and NASDAQ E-mini futures down two. The DAX in Germany is up half percent. CAC in Paris up four-tenths percent, and the FT100 up one percent. Nikkei 225 in Japan gained half percent. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong up four-tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury, little change, yield 1.79 percent. Yield on the two-year, 0.88 percent. NYMEX crude oil up a tenth of a percent, or six cents, to 49.22 a barrel. COMEX gold up two-tenths percent, or two dollars, to 12.14.60 an the euro, $1.1148. The yen, 108.87. Now your recap of Asian markets. Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann puts it together for us in our Hong Kong bureau. Rally for Asian stocks, although modest gains at best post-ECB and ahead of the U.S. jobs data. The regional benchmark headed towards a one-month high, with Japanese stocks up half of 1%. Similar gains on the Shanghai Composite as well. Goldman Sachs, though, warning capital outflows in China may accelerate as the yuan continues to weaken, potentially spilling over to global markets and causing a similar broad sell-off we saw back in January and August, the yuan near a five-year low. Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Radio. Hong Kong. Thanks, Yvonne. Bank Capital and PAG Asia Capital are evaluating bids for Takata. That's according to people familiar with the matter, who say discussions are at an early stage. Bain and PAG Asia are the latest private equity firms with an interest in the embattled airbag supplier at the center of a record safety recall. The news sent Takata shares higher in Tokyo. Noble Group has approved a rights issue to raise about $500 million with support from China's Sovereign Wealth Fund. This comes alongside the news that founder and chairman Richard Elman will step down in the next 12 months. The announcement of a cash call from the junk-rated commodities trader sent its bonds surging by record amounts as shares sank to their lowest level since 2003. OPEC ministers meeting in Vienna yesterday were unable to agree on a production cap. They were able, however, to choose a new secretary general, something they had been unable to agree on since 2012. Speaking of Bloomberg's Ryan Chilcote, incoming Secretary General Mohamed Barkindo of Nigeria said that he sees the oil market rebalancing by mid-2017. I am confident that the future uh, is bright that this organization will not only continue to survive, but will continue to adapt. 
That's Mohamed Barkindo, the new Secretary General of OPEC. Checking oil right now, West Texas Intermediate is little changed, up three cents to 49.20 a barrel, while Brent is up about two tenths percent or seven cents to $50.11 a barrel. As speculation continues about an interest rate hike from the Federal Reserve, Fed officials are fanning the flames. Speaking to Bloomberg, Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan said that the time for tighter monetary policy may be upon us. I think we are getting to the point where it will make sense to remove some level of accommodation in the near future. What does that mean for me? It doesn't necessarily mean June. It means June, July. We'll have to see. But I'm getting to the point where I'd be advocating that we take an additional step. Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan, the Fed Fund's futures market, currently places the odds of a June rate hike at 22%. Chancellor of the Exchequer George Osborne is warning that hundreds of thousands of U.K. jobs could be lost if the country votes to leave the EU. In a speech later today, the chancellor will say 400,000 service sector jobs could be at risk in the event of a Brexit. The U.K. will hold a referendum on EU membership on June 23rd. The latest polls put a leave vote ahead. Lufthansa may make a deal with Air China when CEO Karsten Spohr visits Beijing with German Chancellor Angela Merkel next week. Spohr will meet senior management from China's flagship airline, but has told Bloomberg talks are, quote, complex. Lufthansa is looking for partners to help stem the loss of long-haul passenger traffic to Middle Eastern rivals. Bayer has secured about $63 billion for its pursuit of Monsanto. That's according to people familiar with the matter, who say Bayer has selected five banks, Bank of America, Credit Suisse, Goldman Sachs, HSBC, and J.P. Morgan Chase. They'll each provide $12.5 billion in short-term loans. If the deal happens, it'll create the world's biggest supplier of farm chemicals and seeds. U.S. yields have reached a 16-year high versus U.K. gilts ahead of U.S. payrolls and as Brexit fears intensify. U.S. Two-year notes are yielding 51 basis points more than same maturity government debt in the U.K., while the 10-year spread is 46 basis points. We're counting down to the government's monthly employment report set for release at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time. Economists surveyed by Bloomberg expect an unemployment rate below 4.9 percent. And Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice has more from the First Word desk. In April, the economy added 160,000 jobs, the smallest gain in seven months. Unemployment held steady at 5%. Industries that showed strong first-quarter job growth pulled back, with retailers cutting payrolls by the most in two years. Hourly earnings edged higher, even so wages on average have been hovering just above a 2% yearly gain since the expansion began seven years ago. At the Bloomberg First Word Desk, I'm Vinny Dell, Judice Bloomberg Radio. Thanks, Vinny. The New York Post is reporting that Twitter and Yahoo met several weeks ago to discuss a possible merger. The newspaper says the company spent several hours in talks, but Twitter bowed out of the bidding process soon after. No comment from either company on the report. S&P E-mini futures are virtually unchanged at this hour. You're listening to Bloomberg, the First Word. And that brings us to 507 on Wall Street. Let's bring Michael Barr in now with the latest on the war of words in the presidential campaign. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Bob. Hillary Clinton says Donald Trump would lead America toward war and economic crisis if he is elected president. During his speech in San Diego yesterday, Clinton said electing Trump would be a historic mistake. Donald Trump's ideas aren't just different. They are dangerously incoherent. They're not even really ideas, just a series of bizarre rants, personal feuds, and outright lies. 
Meanwhile, the presumptive Republican presidential nominee called Clinton's remarks a Donald Trump hit job and a phony speech during a rally in San Jose. You know, she's up there and supposed to be a foreign policy speech. It was a political speech. Had nothing to do with foreign policy. She made a political speech. Donald Trump supporters who were leaving his rally in San Jose came under attack from a group of protesters. A dozen or more people were punched. House Speaker Paul Ryan says he still has differences with Donald Trump, but he is endorsing the Republican presidential candidate. Ryan says Trump can help bring Republicans together. I had people on both sides of it. I had friends wishing I wouldn't support him. I had people saying wishing I would. I really didn't feel any pressure other than my goal is to make sure that we're unified. Ryan had withheld support for weeks before making his announcement yesterday. Five soldiers from Fort Hood, Texas, are dead. Four others are missing after an Army troop carrier was washed from a low-water crossing and overturned in a rain-swollen creek. A Blue Angels fighter jet crashed near Nashville, Tennessee, killing the pilot. Earlier in the day, a member of the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds crashed in Colorado after a flyover for the Air Force Academy graduation where President Barack Obama spoke. The pilot ejected safely. An autopsy has found that pop star Prince died from an overdose of the powerful painkiller fentanyl. Prince was found dead April 21st at his Minneapolis area estate. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Bob? Thanks so much, Michael. We'll move along to 509 on Wall Street and your Land Rover Parsippany. Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. Happy Friday, John Stashauer. All right, thanks, Bob. Surprise in game one of the NBA Finals. Not Golden State winning, but the way the Warriors won, getting more points from their backup guards than their much more heralded starters. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson together scored 20 points. Sean Livingston had that by himself, and Leandro Barbosa added 11 off the bench. The two reserves shot a combined 13 for 15. Curry sat for some key stretches, and the Warriors 104 to 89 win. Yeah, I missed some shots and didn't, didn't get a rhythm, but the way that they, they defended, I'll be able to find some, some adjustments for game two. Not worried about that. Just really proud of the way that, uh, you know, everybody contributed. You don't win championships without, you know, the entire squad coming in and, and making an impact on games. Cavs came from 12 down to take the lead briefly in the third quarter, but the Warriors pulled away from their game two is Sunday again in Oakland. Took a while for the Yankees. They didn't get a hit until the sixth inning. And then finally in the seventh, some runs. Ellsbury rips one to right field. It is a base hit. Ref Snyder scores. Hicks is rounding third. They're waving him home. Here's the throw. He's in there. It's a double and two ribbies moving to third on the throw for Ellsbury. And the Yankees lead 5-1. to one. Network had a Yanks held on in the rain out makeup in Detroit 5-4. to four. Baltimore beat the Red Sox 12-7. The Orioles hit seven home runs. Seattle 16. San Diego 13. Mariners trailed 12 to 2 in the sixth inning and came back to win. David Wright missed four months last season with a back injury that's still not completely healed. Now Wright has a herniated disc in his neck that the Mets hoped he could come back from. Instead, he's been put on the disabled list, and the Mets say Wright could be out for a quote prolonged period. With the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stashow. Thanks, John. You'll want to stay with us today for full coverage of the jobs report that you just can't get anywhere else. Tom Keene and Michael McKee will be joined by J.P. Morgan senior economist James Glassman, Princeton economist Alan Kruger, and Janus Capital's Bill Gross. It all starts at 7 a.m. Wall Street time right here on Bloomberg Radio. And just ahead, we'll talk to Wells Fargo's John Sylvia for a jobs preview. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.
The sports report brought to you by Land Rover Persephone. If it's in your nature to cast off the everyday and seek adventure, the Discovery Sport was built to help you search. Visit LandRoverPersephone.com or 1-800-FIND-4WD. Land Rover above and beyond. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. It's Jobs Day, and today we are looking for the May jobs report at 8.30 Wall Street time. The trade balance is also released at that time. Then at 10, it's factory orders, durable goods orders, as well as a look at service industries from the Institute for Supply Management. Futures this morning are little change ahead of the jobs report. NASDAQ mini futures are down two. Dow mini futures up four. The DAX in Germany is up half percent. So is the CAC in Paris. FT100 up eight-tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury little change. Yield one point. 0.79%. Yield on the two-year, 0.88%. NYMEX crude oil, little changed, up two cents to 49.19 a barrel. COMEX gold is up a tenth of a percent or a dollar twenty to 12.13.80 an ounce. The euro, a dollar 11.44 and the yen, 108.91. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Good morning, Karen. Donald Trump is bristling at being called unprepared and temperamentally unfit to be president in a foreign policy speech by Hillary Clinton in San Diego. Hours later, in San Jose, the presumptive Republican nominee called the speech phony and a Donald Trump hit job. The search continues for four soldiers still missing from a truck that overturned in the swift water at Fort Hood, Texas, killing at least five and injuring three. French President Francois Hollande says the consequences of the bad weather were very serious. Paris is dealing with dangerous flooding, the Seine River in Paris is at its highest level in more than 34 years. In sports and Major League Baseball, the Yankees beat the Tigers. The Orioles down the Red Sox. The Giants were winners. In Game 1 of the NBA Finals, the Warriors beat the Cavaliers. More on these and other stories at the bottom of the hour. Bob? Michael Barr, thank you. The economists we've surveyed here at Bloomberg tell us U.S. employment probably increased around 160,000 in May. That would be on par with the previous month's moderate advance. But John Sylvia has his sights set lower. He's chief economist for Wells Fargo Security and joins us now on the line from Charlotte, North Carolina. John, good morning and welcome. You're breaking with consensus. Why? Oh, I think there are two two reasons here. One, obviously, the Verizon strike subtracting maybe thirty five, forty thousand uh, from the job numbers. So, what you would look at would be the line on information breakout in terms of payrolls, and probably see a number like minus minus thirty thousand, minus thirty five thousand. There, um, I think that's really key. I, and probably, I don't know, it doesn't seem like it's really reflected in the consensus. Second is the ISM manufacturing numbers. Uh, the employment component uh, remained below 50 or so. So watch for the manufacturing sector not to produce any jobs, maybe even lose a few thousand jobs as well. And the uh, unemployment rate consensus there is 4.9%? Yeah, I think that's the right number. Here, here, Bob, the challenge, of course, is that despite what we look at as overall modest employment growth, labor force participation rate really hasn't picked up as it traditionally has. So even the modest gain in jobs outweighs the improvement in the labor force such that the unemployment rate continues to decline. 
So if your numbers are correct, that wouldn't seem to support uh, a rate increase as early as June. Yeah, I think I think the Fed's going to look at this in combination with, uh, you know, there is some slowdown. Uh, I think, you know, Charles Evans uh, earlier this morning on Bloomberg uh, being quoted, um, you know, it, there's some value in waiting. And I think that I know that Charles is a dove, um, but I would say, yeah, it, there is some value in waiting, especially after the Brexit vote. Uh, again, earlier reports this morning on Bloomberg suggested that uh, the, the vote was really going to be close in that situation. I would wait, and July is just a few weeks away. So, yeah, we could do it in July. Well, for the sake of our conversation, let's say that they they did raise rates uh, at their June meeting. Is the economy prepared for that? Yeah, I think the overall economy is doing well in terms of the American consumer, housing, uh, and you know, business investment, uh, etc. Uh, 25 basis points is not going to make a big difference for a lot of those uh, sectors. And, and another thing, Bob, is that although the federal funds rate target may be raised, the effective federal funds rate doesn't rise all that much. And, and as a result, lending costs uh, to a lot of businesses and households don't rise all that much. One thing about housing that's pretty interesting, Bob, is the disparity that's going on. Um, you know, when you're dealing with areas like Boston and New York or even Charlotte, uh, you're, you're talking about home prices that are rising pretty significantly. Uh, 25 basis points on a mortgage rate is not going to make much difference. But when you get into the Midlands and you, and you talk about, you know, smaller cities, secondary, tertiary cities in the rural areas where home prices aren't rising, that's where a little bit of the difference shows up. We're going to be hearing from uh, Fed Chair Janet Yellen next week. Would you expect her to continue this sort of hawkish rhetoric that we've been hearing out of other Fed members? Yeah, I would say yes, because uh, she'll, certainly she knows that a lot of people are key on, key on his speech. And then second of all, um, she has been setting up the tone. I think there's a lot of, you know, Eric Rosengren, you know, from Boston setting up a tone where they're trying to be a little bit hawkish, getting the market ready for a, a, an increase in the Fed funds rate. You know, maybe June, maybe July, maybe September. Yeah, I think she wants to keep that theme up because you don't want to lose that momentum in the market that the market's now discounting uh, a Fed move. How much confidence do you have in the U.S. economy at this point? Well, Bob, you know, a lot of confidence if you're talking about one and a half to two percent growth. Um, you know, trying to get anything above two percent, you know, two and a half percent, or sometimes the three percent that sometimes people will put out there. I, I have no confidence in that at all. I, I still have a big negative for net exports. Business investment, while growing, remains disappointing relative to what trend should be. Um, I think you just have to be careful of an economy that depends so much just on the consumer and housing. Are we going to finally see in this jobs report uh, any strength in wage growth? Uh, well, <laughs> losing the, those Verizon workers and, and their wages numbers, I think you're going to have a steady 0.2% gain in average hourly earnings. So on a year-over-year basis, it'll be 2.5, and it was 2.5 in January. Um, so that, uh, no, it seems to be we're at 2.5% or so. And as you know, Bob, um, there's a real issue with respect to health care costs and insurance and, uh, you know, how companies are dealing with that and with respect to maybe benefit costs are rising, uh, but the wages themselves are pretty steady. John Sylvia, always very interesting and illuminating. He is chief economist for Wells Fargo Security and has joined us from Charlotte, North Carolina. S&P E-mini futures. 
Virtually unchanged at this hour, as are Treasury prices. The yield on the 10-year at 1.79%. This is Bloomberg. And the first word is brought to you by your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealer. There's no better way to experience summer than in the car of your dreams. And now you can get an expertly crafted Mercedes-Benz for less than you could imagine. Visit your Tri-State dealer or MBUSA.com. Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg The First Word. And it's 530 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Bob Moon. Bloomberg The First Word is brought to you by Bentley University. What do developing apps at Facebook and analyzing data at Biogen have in common? An MBA from Bentley University, where you'll explore innovation and leadership. Because business is everywhere. Prepare here. And we're just about four hours away from the opening of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Bain Capital and PAG Asia Capital are evaluating bids for Takata. They are just the latest private equity firms with an interest in the embattled airbag supplier at the center of a record safety recall. The news sent Takata shares higher in Tokyo. Noble Group has approved a rights issue to raise about $500 million with support from China's Sovereign Wealth Fund. This comes alongside the news that founder and chairman Richard Ellman will step down in the next 12 months. The announcement of a cash call from the junk-rated commodities trader sent its bonds surging by record amounts and its shares to a 13-year low. OPEC ministers meeting in Vienna yesterday were unable to agree on a production cap. They were able, however, to choose a new secretary general, something they had been unable to agree on since 2012. Checking oil right now, West Texas Intermediate is little changed, up one cent to $49.18 a barrel, and Brent is up uh, more than a tenth of a percent, up seven cents to $50.11 a barrel. Halcyon Capital Management, which runs almost $10 billion in assets, has shuttered its energy-focused hedge fund after the collapse of oil prices. The story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. The Energy, Power, and Infrastructure Capital Fund and its manager, Halcyon Energy Investors, were closed on March 31st, according to two people familiar with the matter who asked not to be named because the information is private. The people say concerns over the ability to raise assets for the fund contributed to the decision. One of the people says at its peak, the fund managed $140 million. Oil prices have plunged more than 50 percent since the downward spiral began in June of 2014, hitting companies highly exposed to commodities. Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Radio. Thanks, Charlie. Bayer has secured about $63 billion for its pursuit of Monsanto. That's according to people familiar with the matter, who say Bayer has selected five banks, Bank of America, Credit Suisse, Goldman Sachs, HSBC, and J.P. Morgan Chase. They'll each provide $12.5 billion in short-term loans. Futures this morning, they are little changed. The 10-year Treasury, little changed as well. The yield, 1.79%. Yield on the two-year, 0.88%. Comex Gold is up 70 cents. That's less than a tenth of a percent at 12, 13, 30 an ounce. And this is Bloomberg, the first word. Thank you, Karen. We're now at 5.33 on Wall Street. She said, he said, and they're doing it more stridently on the campaign trail. Let's bring in Michael Barr with the latest. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Bob. Donald Trump supporters leaving his rally in San Jose, California, were pounced on by protesters. At least four people were taken into custody during the Trump rally. 
The resumptive Republican presidential nominee called Hillary Clinton's foreign policy speech pathetic. Crooked Hillary said, oh, Donald Trump, his finger on the button. I'm the one that didn't want to go into Iraq, folks. And she's the one that stupidly raised her hand to go into Iraq and destabilize the entire Middle East, okay, because that's what she did. Earlier, Clinton speaking in San Diego says electing Trump as president would be a big mistake. It's not hard to imagine Donald Trump leading us into a war just because somebody got under his very thin skin. Philippine President-elect Rodrigo Duterte dared reporters to stop covering him. This after earlier comments that corrupt journalists were legitimate targets of assassination. Duterte said in English during a two-hour televised briefing last night, I do not care if no one is covering me. Do not threaten me. I said I'm ready to lose the presidency, my honor or my life. Just do not expletive with me. During the news conference, Duterte wolf-whistled at a female reporter, triggering a flood of criticism on social media. The Paris-based Reporters Without Borders called on journalists to boycott him. U.S. Defense Secretary Ash Carter says the military would take actions designed to prevent accidents once military investigations are complete in the two recent incidents. Five soldiers were killed and four are missing after a troop carrier overturned in a rain-swollen creek at Fort Hood. Lieutenant Colonel Sunset Belinsky is a spokesperson for Fort Hood. We definitely appreciate thoughts and prayers um, as we care for our families and loved ones and and the fellow soldiers here uh, who are impacted by this tragedy. Near Nashville, a pilot was killed when his Blue Angels fighter jet crashed. First Lady Michelle Obama is in New York to deliver the final commencement speech of her tenure in the White House at City College. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Bob? Appreciate it, Michael. That brings us to 535 on Wall Street. John Stashauer has your Land Rover Parsippany, Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. Hey, John. All right, Bob, on a night when the Splash Brothers were off their game, their backups came to the rescue for Golden State. Warriors lead by 14. Roof ready to blow off this place. Livingston to the foul line, rises again. Good! Timeout, Cleveland. Barbosa and Livingston. 88-72, a 20-4 run. Warriors radio defending champs who needed overtime to win game one of last year's finals against an injury-ravaged Cleveland team beat a the healthy Cavs in this year's finals opener with much more ease. 104 to 89. Only briefly in the third quarter did Cleveland have a one-point lead. The Warriors put seven in double figures, and Clay Thompson was not one of them. Steph Curry tied for fifth on the team in scoring. He shot four for 15. But Sean Livingston, 20 points. Leandro Barbosa with 11. They shot a combined 13 for 15. Kyrie Irving had 26 for Cleveland. LeBron James, 23 in a near triple-double. Kevin Love scored 17, but none of the big three shot it all that well, and together they had 11 turnovers. Yankees spent one night in Detroit to make up an earlier rainout. They beat the Tigers 5-4, didn't get a hit until the sixth inning, but scored four times in the seventh. Jacoby Ellsbury with a two-run triple. The big three of the bullpen, Dellen Batanzas, Andrew Miller, and Aroldis Chapman all gave up a run, but... Patanzas got the win and Chapman the save. Mets were off. They have put David Wright on the disabled list with that nagging neck injury that they say could keep him out for a prolonged period. He's not having surgery yet, but could at some point. French Open this morning, the semifinal match coming up for Serena Williams with the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. I'm John Stashauer. 
Thanks, John. 537 on Wall Street now. Time for your T2 Computing Tri-State Business Report. We check in with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Happy Friday, Ed. Good morning, Bob. A couple of former Deutsche Bank traders face federal charges in New York tied to the rigging of the benchmark interest rate known as LIBOR. Matthew Connolly and Gavin Black are charged with one count of conspiracy to commit wire and bank fraud and nine counts of wire fraud. That signals that the Justice Department's probe is moving higher up at the bank. Offshore wind developers have been given an August 5th deadline to qualify to bid on a coveted site off the coast of Long Island. Now, if it's fully developed, this site is big enough to produce about as much energy as a nuclear power plant. It's now illegal in New Jersey to import or export big game trophies of animals that are threatened or endangered. Governor Chris Christie has signed the measure approved by lawmakers in response to the killing of Cecil, that Zimbabwean lion whose death sparked protests last year. Fines range up to $3,000. And that's the T2 Computing Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Bob? Thank you, Ed. The Brexit Vote. Coverage continues now on Bloomberg Radio. And, of course, voters in the U.K. heading to polls on June 23rd to decide whether or not Britain will remain in the European Union. Joining us now with the latest on that pivotal issue is Bloomberg Go and First Word Europe anchor Jonathan Farrow. Jonathan, good morning. Jamie Dimon figures into the Brexit story today, doesn't he? does. The J.P. Morgan chief set to weigh in and campaign for remain. I don't think he'd use the words campaign, that's for sure, but he will be standing alongside the Chancellor, George Osborne, in the southeast coast of the UK at JP Morgan's offices where he has been very diplomatic he won't say what the UK should or shouldn't do but he is being very clear that his observation of the facts according to him and he will make these comments very shortly is that a vote to leave would be a terrible deal for the British economy and in his words if the UK does leave the EU the bank may have no choice but to reorganize their business model in the UK, and Brexit could mean fewer JP Morgan jobs in the UK and more jobs in Europe. And that sentiment will be echoed by the Chancellor, George Osborne, set to say that 400,000 UK services jobs could be lost. So quite clearly, the Chancellor and the Remain campaign leveraging the point of view of the JP Morgan chief later this morning, Bob. Well, yeah, and the UK economy status is an important precursor to this Brexit decision. Where does it stand? Well, at the moment, you look at the UK services data and remaining, quote, frustratingly weak, according to market economics. We had a PMI reading for services, and that sector's three quarters of the UK economy. So it's an incredibly important data point. And it was solid. We got an upside surprise. But it's the individual gauges, the individual components of the PMI that really interest people. Sentiment improved, but new business grew at the slowest rate in more than three years. And the pace of jobs growth also slowed. So, Bob, quite clearly a concern in that data. Is it the referendum on June the 23rd or is the economy just softening regardless? That will be a debate ahead of the referendum. Bloomberg's Jonathan Farrow, thanks. And you can get all the latest Brexit news on the Bloomberg terminal by typing B-R-E-X go. This is Bloomberg the first word. And your Tri-State Business Report was brought to you by T2 Computing, a new kind of IT solutions company for workflow, mobility, and infrastructure. Let them explain how their expertise can help you gain greater business value. Visit t2computing.com for more information. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. 
And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are little change with the S&P 500 at a seven-month high as investors await the government's monthly payrolls report for more clues about the strength of the economy. S&P E-mini futures down half a point. Dow E-mini futures up four. NASDAQ E-mini futures down three. The DAX in Germany's up half percent. Ten-year Treasury little change yield 1.79%. NYMEX crude oil is little changed up two cents to 49.19 a barrel. COMEX gold up a tenth of a percent or a dollar twenty to 12.13.80 an ounce. The euro a dollar 11.42. The yen 108.97. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, the search continues for four soldiers who are missing after their troop carrier overturned at Fort Hood, Texas. Five other soldiers were killed. U.S. Defense Secretary Ash Carter says the military will attempt to learn from the tragic loss of life and take actions designed to prevent such accidents once military investigations are completed. Near Nashville, Tennessee, a pilot was killed when his Blue Angels fighter jet crashed. Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump says Hillary Clinton should be sent to jail for her use of a private email server during her time as Secretary of State. Trump, during a rally in San Jose, California, also bristled at Clinton's foreign policy speech earlier in the day, calling him unfit to be president. In sports, Major League Baseball, the Yankees beat the Tigers, the Orioles down the Red Sox, the Giants were winners. Game one of the NBA Finals, the Warriors beat the Cavaliers. More on these and other stories at the top of the hour. Karen? All right, thanks, Michael. And automakers looking to improve their future sales may want to pay a little more attention to a specific customer. was a record for automakers, but it was also a turning point when it comes to the type of vehicles sold and who was buying. Small SUVs overtook mid-sized cars in 2015 as the most popular segment in the overall vehicle marketplace. And then when I dove a little deeper into that, I saw that a lot of that was fueled by uh, the affinity that females have for that kind of a vehicle when they're the decision makers. James Mulcrone is director of research at Merit CX, a customer experience software and research company. He found from 2010 to 2015, mainstream small SUV sales to women rose 34% compared to a 22% rise in men. And more than 40% of all female vehicle purchases are being made by single, divorced, widowed, or separated women who are mostly making their own decisions. Now, there are more single person households in the United States, according to the U.S. Census in 2015, than there have ever been. And a lot of them are single professional females who have college degrees. A lot of millennials are delaying getting married, having children for a variety of reasons, economics being one of them. These trends are compelling to automakers whose SUVs and other light trucks are outstripping sedan and coupe sales, even as May deliveries declined. We really have zeroed in on the type of vehicle that meets our wants and needs, and that is the small crossover. And as a data point of one, I myself as a single woman This is exactly the kind of car that I bought when I relocated and moved back from overseas. Rebecca Lindland is senior auto analyst for auto researcher Kelly Blue Book. It's a combination of ride height, of size and utility, of a a feeling of safety and security. And for people that live in weather-challenged environments, the availability of all-wheel drive. And generally, all of those attributes come 
at a really very, very good value and a very good price. Today, a woman uses the family car to take the children to school or to drive round to the shops. While women's needs have changed since this 1937 vintage film on driving a Ford motor car, there is still some catching up to do when it comes to the automakers and the dealerships. The dealers do not pay enough attention when a woman goes into a dealership. We do not go into a dealership to browse. That is what the Nordstrom Shoe Department is for. We go in to a dealership to buy. We have done our research. We know what we want. We are in there to purchase. I do think the auto industry in general has come a long way in the last 10 years in recognizing the importance of the woman car buyer. However, I still think there is a long way to go in how they market and advertise to her. Jody DeVere, chief executive of AskPatty.com, a provider of automotive advice to women, says dealerships would benefit by working harder to attract and retain more female employees. Ninety percent of women who come to work at a dealership in a sales role turnover the first year. Ninety percent. And that really says a lot about the culture at the dealership in terms of bringing women in and retaining them as employees. And I'm very passionate about changing that as far as in the landscape of the automotive industry, both at the manufacturing level and at the dealer level. We need more women in place. Coming on parity will automatically make our industry resonate better with women. There are other benefits to catering more toward the female customer. Mel Crone tells us female consumers are generally more brand attentive and loyal than males if they've had a good experience. And WomenDrivers.com, a car dealer review service, says about 60% of women who leave a dealership without buying never return. I'll just try to get that song out of your head for the rest of the day. I'm just saying, as soon as you buy that small car, that's the moment Mr. Wright pulls up in the lane next to you. Now it's time for our daily Bloomberg Law Brief, exploring legal issues in the news, brought to you by American Arbitration Association. International trade or business dispute resolved faster with the International Center for Dispute Resolution, the leader in alternative dispute resolution around the world, ICDR.org. Today, Bloomberg Law hosts June Grasso and Michael Best discuss a new trend among extremely wealthy criminal defendants who post multi-million dollar bonds and pay for around-the-clock security at their homes, while less wealthy defendants wait for trial in jail. They spoke to Fordham University Law School professor James Cohen and Legal Aid Society of New York lawyer Joshua Norkin. Jim, what are some of the main things that judges look at when they're deciding bail? Is it just whether you're going to return to court for trial? Well, most judges look at two things. That's probably the first thing that they look at. Is there evidence in the defendant's record uh, of a disregard for court uh, proceedings or court orders. For example, a bench warrant, a warrant issued for the arrest of the defendant for failure to appear on an earlier case or a different case would be strong evidence in a judge's mind uh, that the person should not be released on bail or should not be released on low bail. Uh, the other thing that judges look at as a practical matter, and it's codified in the federal courts, is the risk that the defendant will commit further crimes. Uh, so in federal court, judges look at both. In state court in New York, judges theoretically only look at the risk of flight. 
So, Josh, we're, we keep now getting faced with situations where wealthier defendants are asking for the ability to to get bail when the government wants to actually deny them any chance of getting out of jail pending trial on the grounds that they can pay for elaborate security setups. Is this something that judges should allow? You know, I think from, you know, my perspective as a legal aid attorney, this is, this does not have to do necessarily with the wealthier, wealthier person's ability to make bail. It really is a poor person's inability to do the same thing. Um, you know, in particular in, in New York state courts, the problems that, that we see and the problems that our attorneys encounter every day really is a judge's unwillingness or inability to sort of similarly craft an arrangement that would allow for a poor defendant to be released. Um, and, uh, you know, this is something that it seems like uh, our rich uh, you know, colleagues or neighbors uh, are sort of entitled to, which is to sort of arrange uh, some sort of a package that will entitle them to release while, you know, the rest of the public uh, has to sit on Rikers Island, uh, you know, in the hopes that somebody can put together enough money to uh, to get them out of jail. And in reality, it just it just doesn't have to be that way. Judges can be doing that same thing. They can be doing more, thinking creatively, using other forms of bail, Jim, do you agree with that basic concept? Seconds left. Oh, yeah, I do agree with the basic concept. I think that judges are not very creative in crafting bail conditions for the poor defendant. Uh, I think some judges will err on the side of leniency and release the person, risk that there will be a bench warrant. Once there is a bench warrant, it becomes much easier in the future to deny bail. Uh, uh, but I think that is a problem, that the poor are treated as they always are, uh, differently and worse. Fordham Law School's James Cohen and New York Legal Aid Society lawyer Joshua Norkin. You can hear Bloomberg Law weekdays at 4.30 p.m. Wall Street time here on Bloomberg Radio. And that's this morning's Bloomberg Law Brief. You can find more legal news at BloombergLaw.com and BloombergBNA.com. Attorneys will find exceptional legal research and business development tools there as well. Visit BloombergLaw.com and BloombergBNA.com for more information. Futures this morning, they are little changed ahead of the May jobs report. S&P E-mini futures are down Half a point. Dow E-mini futures up two. NASDAQ E-mini futures down three. The DAX in Germany is up four tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury, little change, yield 1.79 percent. And NYMEX crude oil up a tenth of a percent now at five cents to 49.22 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 90 cents, less than a tenth of a percent to 12.13.60 an ounce. And Bloomberg, the first word continues on Bloomberg Radio. 